So, I guess I guess to start it off, hello and welcome to episode two. Episode two, we episode made it two. back. The, the dreaded episode two. It's, it's always the hardest one. They I, say episode two is the hardest. I guess. It's unanimous, everyone says that. <laughs> Alright, so today I'm going to be talking about the rise and fall of the MoviePass company. Ooh, a, a recent one. <laughs> yes. And I I will be tackling the mother of all corporations, the McDonald's Corporation. Oh boy, that's a big one. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to go ahead and launch right into it. Um, to start off, did you have a MoviePass? Uh, no. Did you no. ever I'll, subscribe I know to it? I know, you had, I know you had one for like a year. Yes. And you really enjoyed it. It was a good year. There was a lot of, there was a lot of strife involved. <laughs> Um, (laughs) And I'll get into that. And I'm not just reading that off a piece of paper. (laughs) No, no, no. no. Um, Okay, so just to start, MoviePass Incorporated is is an American subscription-based movie ticketing service founded in 2011 by technology and entertainment entrepreneurs Stacey Spikes and Hammett Watt. The service is simple. Basically, you pay a monthly fee and you get a certain amount of free movie tickets per month. Right. Uh, it's accepted um, probably 95% of theaters. So it's, it's simple. It's easy to market. It's a, it's a simple idea. Mm-hmm. It works. Uh, in June 2011, MoviePass tested its service for the first time in San Francisco. Um, in October 2012, a beta test for the service was launched across the entire country. Depending on their location, subscribers would pay between $29 and $34 a month for unlimited free movie tickets. Basically, it's still expensive, like $30 a month. That's yeah, that's a lot. But if you're seeing a lot of movies, it's worth it. Right. And, like, when you were using it, you were seeing, like, a movie a day. Yeah, exactly. So if you're seeing that many movies, $30 a month is a reasonable right. amount of money to pay. And basically, MoviePass is banking on not everyone's going to be seeing that many movies a month. Right. So right. they're going to end up paying it, and then they'll eventually gain the money back by people not using it. Right. Um Movie, basically how it works is MoviePass is a mobile app. Um, it loads money onto a MoviePass debit card, which every subscriber has. And what you do is you go onto the app, you choose what uh, showtime and theater you're seeing, and then just the money is loaded onto your card, and you get a free movie ticket. Um, MoviePass, when it first launched, they assured their subscriber base that their service would be accepted by all major theaters. However, several theater chains, especially AMC, remember AMC, they're going to be big in this story. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, several theater chains were publicly hesitant to accept MoviePass. Even though MoviePass pays the full price of a movie ticket to the theater chain, AMC basically saw MoviePass as a threat to its business model and its brand loyalty. So AMC wanted to control how people were getting their movie tickets. And they, even though they were still getting the money from MoviePass, they basically were just worried that MoviePass would control their their right, right. Consumer Cause, base. Because now you have now you have a middleman that ev- all the consumers are going through. Exactly, and AMC didn't trust that. Um, however, by December 2014, dwindling ticket sales ca- caused AMC to finally agree to a partnership with MoviePass. AMC publicly ag- acknowledged that subscription-based services could be the future of the industry. The formal partnership between AMC and MoviePass began with a test phase in Boston and Denver for monthly fees of $45 and $35, respectively. So again, it's it's a little steep for a monthly fee, but if you're seeing a ton of movies, it's worth it. And MoviePass will still make its money back. In June 2016, MoviePass hired former Netflix and Redbox executive Mitch Lowe to be the new CEO of MoviePass, 
Lowe quickly instituted more changes to the service, with the service testing out different subscription plans for users based on how movies they, they watched. By July of 2016, a new tier-based plan for MoviePass was officially announced. You have to cry. Yeah. Uh, T-I-E-R. <laughs> Depending on the region, <laughs> subscribers pay between uh, $15 and $21 for two movies per month, and between $40 and $50 for unlimited movies per month. Ah, I see. Yes. Uh, so, basically, people could just choose how many, like, figure out how much they pay by how much, how active they are in going to the movies. Right. By December 2016, MoviePass had 20,000 subscribers, a decent user base. Okay. And this is and this is after the world like the nationwide launch. Yes, so this okay. was uh, being used nationwide now. Okay. Okay. In August 2017, uh, New York-based analytics firm Helios and Matheson, remember that name? Okay. Purchased a majority stake in MoviePass. Mm. And that's when shit got crazy. <laughs> Fun. Quickly after Helios and Matheson pur- purchased their stake in MoviePass, the company announced that it was getting rid of the tier-based plan entirely, and they were going to offer unlimited movie tickets for $10 a month. But how... what? <laughs> I mean, th- you're not making money then. Like, that can't be profitable. They would lose money... In most theaters, they would lose money on every ticket sale. Right. Yeah, that's... that's like A single movie ticket costs $10. It was unlimited movies a month to 95% of theaters across the country. The only restriction that you was that you couldn't see more than one movie a day. So you could see up to 31 movies per month for $10. That... How did they think that was going to make money? <laughs> Basically... Okay, here's the theory that people have. Okay. Basically, the, this was a PR move. The company wanted to lower their price to a ridiculously low rate to scoop up as many subscribers as possible. Basically, just market the hell out of it, get as many people as possible, and uh, eventually slowly increase their fees. And uh, what the the big thing that they said they were going to do is they were going to sell data on their user base. Right, right. Which is almost exactly the same thing that um, Sears tried before they died. Yeah, so basically they were saying... We know we're lo- going to lose money on m- most ticket sales, but we're going to make up that money by having an enormous subscriber base. We can basically sell data to theater chains right. so they can more efficiently market their movies. Basically, this is the same business plan that keep Google and Facebook free. Right, right. So they have this um, insane amount of data that is of value to different marketing firms. Right. Um, and that's how they're able to offer free services. It seems like It seems like a movie... Like this MoviePass app wouldn't generate the sheer amount of data that something like Google generates, though. Yeah, I mean it's it's not the amount of data, the widespread data, but it's it's like movie going trends. It's right. like what because MoviePass requires you to enter all your demographic information so they know exactly who is going to see what movies. Right. Because you right. couldn't do that just going to the theater and purchasing tickets. You're not sharing your your gender, your age, your, you know, all that right, stuff. And right. they would have all that if they bought the tickets through MoviePass. Right, so instead of conducting surveys, it's like, it's you're collecting it all directly from the MoviePass app. Exactly. Um, so immediately after the announcement of the price drop to $10 a month, MoviePass's website crashed from users rushing to sign up. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. He, after announcing this price drop, Helios and Matheson, their parent company's stock, 
price shot up to over $5,000 per share. Oh my, yeah. that is, that's insane. That is utterly insane. So Holy shit. Th- th- this was a huge thing in the movie industry. I remember everyone was talking about it. So Helios and Matheson's value shot up basically overnight. Um, MoviePass began launching a widespread social media campaign to publicize the price drop. Um, in September, one month after the price drop, MoviePass reached 400,000 subscribers. However, at first, the company struggled to keep up with demand. Um, MoviePass uh, card shipment, mem- shipments were delayed, and customer service was slow and overtaxed. Analysts questioned the company's ability to stay afloat due to the fact that the company would basically lose money on every ticket sale in most regions. Uh, the price drop also angered AMC, who ended their partnership with MoviePass and declared that the unsustainable MoviePass and its subscribers were not welcome at its theaters. <laughs> so, using explicitly hostile language. <laughs> that, that makes me think that they're like some aging southern bartender yeah. <laughs> pointing a shotgun. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. kind of welcome here. <laughs> but here's the thing. AMC couldn't stop MoviePass users from using the service at their theaters because basically they're just still they're just using a debit card to give them money. Oh, so, right. So they can't say it's not like because they're not partners in it. It's basically just using like a Mastercard. So right, right. AMC is still getting the money. So I remember I would go to AMC and what they would do is they would still it what seemed like begrudgingly accept my movie pass. <laughs> but here's the thing. They would go to my ticket and write MP in big letters they at like would, marking they me. Would scarlet <laughs> yeah, letter you? Exactly. Oh my god. So but they couldn't stop it because they were still getting the money. They wouldn't they didn't want to stop getting the money. Right. So oh my god. this is crazy. Okay, by December twenty seventeen, MoviePass had over one million subscribers across the nation, and by February twenty eighteen it shot up to two million. Promotion, the promotional price drop, um, another promotional pr- promotional price drop. Another one? Yeah. Brought the <laughs> monthly subscription uh, fee down to $8 a month or $7 for users who paid for it annually. Oh, my so God. So that's a definitive loss for every movie ticket sale basically across the country. I'd say 95% of movie theaters. So, so they're not making any profit. Like, their largest partner backed out of the deal, mm-hmm. and they're... they're but their stock price is it is around five thousand dollars. Yeah, that's like that's such an insane spike. It makes me think that this is like a money laundering scheme. Exactly. That that that's what it like. It seems like um, on January and it gets even crazier. On January nineteenth, twenty eighteen, at the Sundance Film Festival, MoviePass announced the new subsidiary subsidiary MoviePass Ventures, which would co-acquire films with traditional distributors. Um, so basically, MoviePass decided to, go, to start financing movies along with all this stuff. Oh god! So, and they're, but they're already so they're like they're obviously already in debt yeah, from this. They're obviously exactly. like there's no profit coming out of right. this. It's all it's all investor backed. And then they're gonna say, oh, we're gonna make movies now, <laughs> right? Which is one of the riskiest financial ventures exactly. that you can ever undertake. Exactly, it's insane. Um, okay, by. April 2018, the company's financial statements indicated that MoviePass was losing $20 million per month. So they were burning <laughs> oh, money no. at an insane rate. Oh, this no. was because of the low subscription costs and the enormous over 2 million subscriber base. 
even moderate users of the service were rapidly draining money from the company. I I remember when you were when you were doing the whole movie pass thing, you were getting like posters and t-shirts and stuff from it. Yeah, exactly. Like, was that was that also for movie pass? Okay, here's what I would do. I so it was so easy to like rig this system. Basically, <laughs> you get a free movie ticket a day for $10 a month. So what I would do, I signed up for the Regal Rewards program. So I would go for ten dollars a month. I would go basically spend fifteen dollars of Movie Pass's money at my local Regal Theater every single day, and get like fifteen thousand points every single day f- for free. So basically, every time I would go to the movies, I would get free drinks, free popcorn. Oh my! And God. what I could have also done, what I should have done, was. Also, Regal Rewards allows you to spend your points on movie tickets. So what I could have done was use the points to buy movie tickets and then sell them oh at a reduced god. rate. You... So... <laughs> oh my god! I didn't end up doing that because it was it was just too insane. That's a lot of work. Yeah, too. it's a lot of work. But like, if I would have had the like drive to do that, I could have made money off of using Movie Pass. That. That is that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> and I could have done that at every because every major theater t- chain has rewards programs. Right, like right. That. And it's there's a lot around here. Yeah, like, exactly. You could you could make a decent profit doing that. Yeah. Honestly, right. And Regal's like, oh, if you spend fifteen dollars a day on on movie tickets, of course we're going to give you free popcorn and stuff. Right. Regal so, doesn't care. Yeah, Regal doesn't care. They're still getting the money. So it's like it's a win win for everyone except for movie pass. <laughs> And so basically what I was doing is I was costing MoviePass a minimum of $300 a month just for me. Just just you. Yeah, well, minus the $10 I was paying them for my subscription. So so $290. Yeah. And it, that was minimum and then the like premium movie tickets were 15, so it's even more than even more than that per month. Oh my so it's like $450 a month I was costing them just for myself. So ba- so basically what this system is at the moment is you have a group of incredibly wealthy Wall like Wall Street investors mm-hmm. essentially giving you three hundred dollars yeah, a month exactly. to go see a, a movie. It was wonderful. And I, I saw all the movies that I wanted. I saw every best picture nominee. I saw like everything. Right. And it right. was great. And I got free popcorn and drinks. Right, was, that's awesome. It was the coolest thing. I remember like during my finals, I had like a final in the morning and a final in the afternoon, and in between, I just like went and saw a movie. Right, it was the greatest. And I, it, I got free popcorn. Got two hours to kill. Might as well go get some like free popcorn and a movie. It was amazing. So after, um, after it was realized that they were losing twenty million dollars a month, Helios and Matheson's stock price dropped to five hundred dollars a share. Oh, so wow. they shrunk to ten percent of their original price. So realizing this, MoviePass panicked. And without warning, they completely removed the unlimited plan from their service. I remember I remember that. They, yeah. they didn't even make an announcement. It's yeah. like the site just went dead. It just said, okay, <laughs> instead they said that users could now only see three movies a month for the same <laughs> price. So they just completely backed out of the promise that got everyone to subscribe in the first place. Well, and three movies a month for, like, three movies a month, even for the $15 subscription, uh-huh. you're still losing money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> However... People lost their shit when they talk, took away the unlimited plan. Right. Because people had been conditioned to start seeing movies weekly. Right. They became entitled because MoviePass promised them and they said the service would last forever. So people lost their shit and started attacking the MoviePass Corporation. They were getting death threats. Oh the people were going crazy. So within two weeks, they brought back the unlimited plan. They backed out oh of their backing God. out. Oh, God. <laughs> However... 
MoviePass slowly began rolling out features on the app designed to discourage users from using <laughs> the unlimited service. Like what? Like what? Okay, like what? so Please basically, they wanted to make it as hard as possible for people to abuse the system and like do what I was doing. Right, exactly what you were doing. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, they limited subscribers to seeing each movie, individual movies, only one time. So you couldn't go see a movie twice. Right. So well, that I mean, limited you. So at a theater, you. If they were only showing like seven movies that month, you would eventually run out. Right. Um, however, that just encouraged me to theater hop. I would buy a ticket for a movie I didn't want to see and then just go. So basically, they were encouraging theater hopping. Oh, so wait. So you would just. So if the movie that you wanted to see wasn't playing, you would just buy a, a ticket for a different movie and then just go see that one. Well, like if I had already seen it and I wanted to see it again, I would just buy a ticket for a different movie. Like there's ways around these things. Right. Oh, yeah. That makes total sense. Um,. Another thing they did was they forced users to take a picture of their ticket stub to prove that they weren't seeing individual movies more than once. And how many? You, and they have like two million users. Yeah. At the moment, right now, mm-hmm. and they can barely they can barely keep their website up. Exactly. And they're gonna have somebody manually review right. every single image <laughs> that gets sent to them. And they said. Basically, in their app, they said, if you don't take a picture of your ticket stub, you'll lose your subscription. Ah. And here's what happened. I forgot to take a picture of my ticket stub twice, and the MoviePass app was like, why did you do this? Please explain. They made you type up an apology <laughs> for why you didn't take a picture. And I just said, I'm sorry, I forgot, and I submitted it, and nothing happened. They kept letting me use the service. It was crazy. So oh, my I, God. So there was no motivation for me to keep taking pictures of my ticket stuff so I just stopped doing it. And right, because it's clear that no like, no one is... like They obviously can't pay for every single image to be reviewed. Exactly. They're not... They obviously can't pay for this, like, are you really sorry? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So what are they going to do? And they're going to... What are they going to do? Like, take away their subscribers? Get, right. Take away the little money they're taking in each month? Right, right. Um, <laughs> despite these measures to stop people from seeing movies, MoviePass was losing $40 million a month in May 2018. They're, they're losing twice as much yeah. money now. And May 2018 was, was its mer- worst month so far. By the end of May, Helios and Matheson's stock dropped to just $100 a share. Oh my <laughs> so god. So, 20% of its, of its last price. Okay, in June, MoviePass surpassed 3 million subscribers, but also started rolling out more features to discourage users from seeing more movies. They rolled out Uber-style surge pricing with added fees of 2 to $6 to popular movies at busy times. So basically, if you wanted to go see Infinity War, you still paid your $10 a month, but you had to pay an extra $6 if you wanted to... Like at the end of the month? No, just like every time you went to see the movie. So per I see. movie. I see, I so see. So if you wanted to see it at a really busy time, you had to pay an additional fee. Which made people super mad, because it's like, this is not what we signed up for. Right, well, and they're... Even with, like, ooh, a whole $6 price hike, it's like, you're still not making money! Exactly. Exactly. So, and it... But it was making them mad, but still not giving MoviePass the money that they needed. Right, they're, they're still underwater. Yeah. Okay, so... Here's where it just gets insane. Oh, it gets worse? Oh, it gets much worse. This is just <laughs> the beginning. Um, at at, at oh, the God. same time that this was happening, MoviePass Ventures started releasing its first films. Oh! Yeah. So they were still doing this. So basically, they were hoping, despite 
losing money in their like regular service, they were hoping to find a, an alternative source of revenue for their company so, by so releasing movies. This whole time, they're like panicking and grappling with these like this user base that basically hates them. Yeah, now. they are they are attempting to produce films. Exactly, and wait till you hear what the films are. The first film was American Am- Animals, which was a film about like teenagers uh, pulling off a heist of a library. It, it got some awards buzz, and it was a moderate success. It made MoviePass probably a couple million dollars. The second movie was Gotti Got- with John Travolta. Gotti? It's a gangster movie that became famous for getting a 0% score on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, no. That's <laughs> and making bad. only $4.3 million on its $10 million budget. That, oh my god. So Gotti is a huge meme for being one of the worst movies of 2018, perhaps the worst movie of 2018. Who, who is it starring again? Uh, John Travolta. John Travolta. And Kelly, Kelly Preston. So that even their alternate their alternate source of revenue was losing them a ton of money in spectacular ways. Right, that's, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> so that was not working out for them. And then... Around this time, AMC, who had been quietly brooding and quietly allowing MoviePass to use their service... Doing this whole time. <laughs> Around this time of Gotti's release, AMC announced its own competing movie subscription service, oh. AMC A-List. This service allowed subscribers to see three movies per week at AMC theaters for $20 a month. A reasonable mi- business model. Very reasonable. <laughs> um, and, okay, and then MoviePass got angry at AMC publicly they got angry <laughs> the official movie pass twitter account took to tw- took to twitter to criticize amc for this announcement here are tweets from the official movie pass twitter oh god i'm so ready heard amc theaters jumped on board the movie subscription train twice the price for a quarter of the theater network and 60 percent fewer movies thanks for making us look good amc <laughs> this is the official corporate account Here's another one. AMC has repeatedly disparaged our model as a way to discourage our growth because all along they wanted to launch their own more expensive plan. We want to make movies more accessible. They want more profit. <laughs> so I, you know what, MoviePass? Maybe wanting more profit is a good idea. Yeah, in this maybe case. you should try that out. These are like <laughs> playground insults. <laughs> well, it's like. Who are you to criti- who are you to criticize AMC when you are like when you yeah. when you're going 20 million dollars in like more in debt every month? Exactly. You you have you don't have the right to criticize anything. <laughs> These losers trying to make profit. Yeah. Fucking sell out. We're trying to make movies great again. You're trying to make money. You know what you are? You're a sellout. Yeah. Um we pay people to see movies. <laughs> Um, in July of 2018, oh, website outages prevented s- subscribers from seeing movie, uh, certain popular films on MoviePass. MoviePass made vague claims that it would reimburse subscribers who were not able to use their service to buy tickets, but they never delivered on this right. promise. <laughs> Why would they? They're like, oh, we'll pay you back if our service doesn't work, and that they never did. Okay. On July 26, 2018, an incident described as a service interruption rendered MoviePass temporarily unusable. It just went down. Right. Nobody right. could it, use it. It went totally, totally dark. 
Um, quickly after this, it was found out that MoviePass borrowed an additional $5 million from the bank just to keep their lights on and continue to allow users to use their service. Uh, that, Which doesn't even put a dent in their monthly no, burn rate. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> so basically, they're just saying, like, if we're going to be able to pay our, our employees, we need to borrow an insane, like, $5 million. Oh, God. And that, that doesn't even put a dent in their debt. Uh, a week after this outage... <sighs> Mission Impossible Fallout, one of the year's most anticipated summer blockbusters, fantastic movie. was released in theaters. To prevent ticket sales for Mission Impossible from destroying their company, MoviePass completely blocked their f- subscribers from seeing that movie. <laughs> they just said, no, you can't see Mission Impossible Fallout. <laughs> and that's when I personally ended my, my subscription that to MoviePass. That was Movie what Pass. did it? Yeah, because that just made me so mad, because I was so excited to We're, see that movie. I was excited to yeah, see that movie. Everyone was excited, and MoviePass knew that, like... If we give tickets for this movie, we're dead. Right. We're done. So we're, they're just like, nope, sorry. It just, it went dark on their app. It's The Showtime still appeared, but it was just dark. Yeah, not you like those AMC it. jerkwads yeah. that are trying to make movies more accessible. <laughs> Who allow you to see the movies. <laughs> um, and when I was trying to unsubscribe from the service, I noticed that it was unusually difficult. The first time I pressed unsubscribe, it didn't accept it. It said it went through, but then I noticed that I was still listed as an active monthly subscriber. So I had to go through again and send like an angry complaint through their uh, Instagram uh, customer service account and say, please cancel my membership. I remember I said some like really mean comment to their Instagram like customer service person. I was like, buy MoviePass. It's been great, but I was expecting your fall from day one. And they, <laughs> they left me on red on that one. <laughs> I'm serious. I have the receipts. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my God. So I was very I, mad at I, that. I, I peaked the shit out of the audio yeah. there. Oh my God. <laughs> no, that's good. I'm sorry, listeners. And I was like worried that they weren't going to let me unsubscribe. <laughs> um... Okay, so after the Mission Impossible madness, the company subsequently announced that uh, tickets for major releases would only be available after a blackout period following the movie's opening. Yeah, blackout is right. So basically, like, they said, like, every time there's a popular movie that's released, you're going to have to wait two weeks to see it with our service. You can see, like, indie movies, but (laughs) you want to see Mission Impossible, we'll give it to you in two weeks, which is like takes the fun away of seeing Mission Impossible. Right, Because right. you want to see it the opening weekend with your friends. It's like, oh, sorry, MoviePass won't let me. i got to wait another right, two weeks. Right, So basically, sorry, guys. people who had signed up for MoviePass to get free movie tickets were having to pay out of pocket to go see movies they wanted to see its first couple weeks. Um, in addition, oh MoviePass announced that it would be raising its monthly fee to $15 a month. So what? That's not going to help you, Movie Pass. <laughs> You're, you are still not solvent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> around this time, Helios and Matheson's stock dropped to less than $50 a share. Following more website and app crashes, Movie Pass began limiting subscribers to only two movies a month. So basically, just, they, they took away the unlimited plan again. Just bail out. Just yeah. bail out. <laughs> just give up at this point. Uh, in a notable incident, on August 10th, the service forced users to choose between Slenderman and Mission Impossible, which had been released like two weeks earlier, with the latter movie only being available at off-peak showtimes. So basically they said, 
like on that specific day, which became like infamous, they said, "Okay, the only movies you can see are Slender Man or Mission Impossible at 11 a.m. or like 10 p.m. Right, you after, can't see it at, after at a peak it's been time out for two weeks. After it's been out for two weeks." So around this time, <laughs> Helios and Matheson's stock dropped to two cents. <laughs> two, two cents. Two cents. So basically, oh, no. they were being they're at this point they're in danger of being unlisted from the Nasdaq. Right. Oh, um, God. At this point, many subscribers who attempted to cancel MoviePass were automatically re-enrolled in an updated MoviePass service later that month, prop- prompting a public outcry. Yeah. So you couldn't get out at this point. <laughs> if you tried to unsubscribe, MoviePass would re-enroll you and say, you're back in. Oh, God, they're like the mob. <laughs> exactly. You can't get out. Like, once you're in, you're in. Under this, uh, they basically said, no, 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 no. We're putting you back in in a new plan. We're, you you unsubscribed from our old plan. Ah. <laughs> so under this new plan, MoviePass announced that it was bringing back the subscription fee down to $10 a month and announced that it was going to end its controversial surge pricing. However, users would only be allowed to see three movies a month and MoviePass would pick and choose which movies subscribers were allowed to see. In addition, MoviePass's annual plan... You can see Cars too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> In addition, MoviePass's annual plan was eliminated, and those who had paid for a full year were forced to switch to a monthly subscription. Oh. So basically, people who had paid in advance for a full year were ta- that that plan was taken away At from them. At this point, you're just you're literally just stealing money. Exactly, <laughs> you're extorting people. Um, a few days after this announcement, a member of the board of directors for MoviePass's parent company, Helios and Matheson resigned citing cons- <laughs> citing concerns about corporate management oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> for real dude <laughs> the board member carl schramm stated that the company has made a number of important corporate decisions and executed significant transactions either without board knowledge or approval or in board meetings initiated with only a few hours of advance notice by email. What? They went rogue? Yeah, they went rogue and basically said, like, they sent an email to the board member saying, we're having a meeting in one hour, and if you're not there, you don't get to decide. And they would have board meetings saying, okay, we're going to stop letting people see Mission Impossible. Done. Uh, unanimous vote. Okay, we're done. Oh, God. <laughs> so they went rogue. Well, just how you started that paragraph, it's like, the the board has ex- has decided to execute, and I thought it was like, has decided to execute yeah. its less useful members. <laughs> Which wouldn't be surprising at this point. Uh, by September 2018, uh, MoviePass's chief product officer, Mike Berkeley, left the company, and the stock dropped to one cent. <laughs> Oof. Uh, which it, is which is what a five hundred thousand percent yeah. decrease. From it went peak? from a peak of five thousand dollars to I think less than one percent right, at one has, point. It has to be sub yeah like, subset. At... Um, in October twenty eighteen, New York Attorney General Barbara Underwood opened an investigation into MoviePass's parent company Helios and Matheson. Was it actually a money laundering scheme? Well, they're still under investigation okay. to determine whether the company misled investors regarding its assets. Which it probably did. Yeah, it definitely (laughs) did. Um, It it seemed like they misled a lot of people. After the announcement of the investigation, Helios and Matheson announced that they would be selling their holdings in MoviePass in order to disassociate themselves with MoviePass's reputation and save their own company. Oh yeah, they're they're gonna they're gonna divest their shares of MoviePass and (laughs) like go down the street and use all the money to buy a taco. Right, and it's insane that MoviePass is still operating. It wait, it's still it's still operating? going. Apparently, I don't even know. By the time of the investigation was announced, over a million subscribers had canceled the service. However, MoviePass continues to operate 
with a greatly diminished subscriber base, a tarnished reputation, and much less of the exciting features that made the company so appealing in the first place. Like, if I've learned anything from this, is like, this, what you just told me is like the world's greatest advertisement for AMC A-List. Okay, here we go. Here's how I'm going to end. I'm going to talk about AMC A-List. Okay. So AMC... (laughs) basically obliterated MoviePass. I mean, obviously, MoviePass obliterated themselves. Right. But at the end there, everyone just started switching to A-List because, like, no, it's not unlimited movies, but it's three movies a month, and they know they're not going to do insane, crazy things like go back on the promises or, like, stop people from unsubscribing. Right. Right. Basically, like, MoviePass lost all its trust from its user base. Yeah. That's why I canceled. I was actually scared they were going to just start stealing money from my bank account. Like, there's nothing to say they wouldn't start doing that. Well, because they were literally doing it. Yeah, and, like, re-enrolling people after they canceled. And so, because of the lack of trust, even though MoviePass had such an insane stock price, it just completely dropped. Um, AMC's story is one of patience, learning from MoviePass's mistakes, and slowly learning how to cultivate a stable business model. MoviePass's story is one of cheap PR gimmicks, extreme risk-taking, and a lack of understanding of a long-term, sustainable subscription service and how to be trustworthy to its subscribers. MoviePass may have been a failure, but it changed the landscape of the movie theater industry forever. And that's the story of MoviePass. That is absolutely fascinating yeah it is and to be in the middle of all that well here's right. the, here's the thing it's like when movie pass first came out i heard about it from like uh from like my friends who were super into film and right right everyone was saying how can this be possible like it's too good to be true right like we should take advantage of it while we can but like eventually it's gonna die there's no way they can make this sustainable but at the same time we were like they have to have a plan, right? Right. They have to have some sort of idea of what they're going to do, but, like, everything came true. They didn't have a plan. They just had a crazy PR gimmick to get people to sign up, and then they had no endgame. This this all segues nicely into our next topic, Mm -hmm. which, um, like, all these things that you're talking about with, like, running a PR campaign at a deficit Mm -hmm. to, to entice new customers. Right. This translates very well to the role of marketing when you have things like billions of dollars on the line. Yeah. And there is no better example of marketing on a global corporate scale than McDonald's. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yes. The big one. The big boy. Yeah. One thing that McDonald's illustrates very well is this concept of... They're, they are not just a corporation, they are a mega corporation. Right. To the point where they are not... McDonald's is not terribly worried about things like... About things like profit and loss. Yeah. They're, they, and they haven't been for about 40 years now. Right. Because they are... Like, they have... McDonald's is so widespread, you really can't... Like, they really can't die in any way... That's meaningful. Right. They're a global institution. Yeah. They are They are very much so a global institution. Right. But they did not always start that way. Mm. So, uh, so, McDonald's was started by the siblings Richard and Maurice McDonald. It, the first restaurant opened in 1940 at uh, 
1398 Northeast Northeast Street at West 14th in San Bernardino, which nice. is about, about an hour north of here. Right around. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got this from the Wikipedia, and they had its exact um, they had its exact coordinates, <laughs> so you can bomb the original, <laughs> and send a missile to the original McDonald's location. Well, it's it's like a chicken place now, actually. Oh. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> it's disrespectful. <laughs> um, okay, so currently McDonald's is the 131st most profitable company in the world. It, wow. So it's the it's the S and P it's the S and P five hundred's one thirty one, and speaking of mega corporations, if you're in the S and P five hundred, you are a mega corporation. Right, <laughs> even if you're number five hundred. Yeah, even even if even the like the low tiers, like the chumps of that, you are still you're yeah. a global institution on par with on par with most Western nations. Right, <laughs> and number one thirty one is really up there. Is really up there. Yeah. Uh, da da. Especially for a food service place, I feel like that's really high. At, definitely. Yeah. And we we will get into why. Okay. Uh, because McDonald's really isn't a food service place. Mm. It's, but we'll get into that. It's a spa. It's a spa. <laughs> just My rub, mind is blown. Just rub the burgers on your skin. <laughs> oh, that's how you're supposed oh. to use them. Oh. <laughs> so notably, so like, their S and P one thirty one. That's. Hella profitable. Yeah. Notably, McDonald's has increased shareholder dividends for 25 consecutive years. Wow. Making it one of the S&P 500 dividend aristocrats, <laughs> which is an official thing. <laughs> S&P Golden Boy. S&P Golden Boy. Gold star. <laughs> you did it. No, they... Which basically means um, every, every earnings report, they earned their shareholders more money. Right. Now, like... It is impressive to be able to do that for four quarters consecutively. Mm -hmm. McDonald's has done that for 20... McDonald's did that for 25 years. Right. McDonald's was one of the safest investments you could ever make. Yeah, that's a stockholder's dream. Absolutely. Because, and one thing that is... One thing that underlies the entire story of McDonald's is this theme of consistency. Right. So, the... Did you ever, did you see the uh, the film The Founder? I haven't now. All right. Well, it is about um, it's it's about the founding of McDonald's and everything, mm -hmm. and so the company was started by these two brothers, right? Mm -hmm. But then the the founder, quote unquote, was really this guy named Ray Kroc, right? Who in the movie is an absolute bastard, right? And by all by all accounts, like. Literally every piece of information I was able to find on Ray Kroc, uh -huh. it was people talked about him like he left a layer of grease on everything. <laughs> he was, he's described as one of the skeeviest, most annoying people. Oh my gosh! Like, but, but this also this like global power, yeah. globally powerful businessman. Right. Like obviously he was successful. Extreme. Despite the slime. Extremely successful. Well, and he was. He wasn't just a, he wasn't just a successful business businessman. Ray Kroc, if Ray Kroc had one skill, it was lying. <laughs> all Ray Kroc did was fucking lie. <laughs> That's all he would ever do. There's a there was a little there was a, an anecdote on Wikipedia from his autobiography about how he uh, he sent a letter to Walt Disney while Disney was considering you know opening opening Disneyland. Mm. Uh, the first one in Anaheim. Yeah. And so Croc was like, hey, if you want, we why don't we partner up mm -hmm. and you can have a McDonald's in 
in Disneyland on day one. Right. And he talked about like getting letter like getting letters back and having all these like conversations with Walt, but then in reality, uh it Walt probably read it and then just threw it away. Yeah. Like, he, d- he did not care. Right. Yeah, Walt was busy at the time. He was very busy. Well, and at the time at the time, McDonald's was successful, but it wasn't that successful. Right. Let's well, say it reminds me of the Hateful Eight when Samuel Jackson's character like claims to have a letter from Abraham Lincoln. Yes. Like it's, it's a, that same thing. And he like uses that letter to like like survive. That that describes Ray Kroc to a T. Right. It's like everything he did was some aggrand was some self aggrandizing bullshit that wasn't true. Right. <laughs> but like advanced him forward. Yes. Absolutely. And that's it's again, he's the greasiest motherfucker, but he was mm-hmm. so successful. Right. So the present corporation credits its founding to franchise businessman Ray Kroc on April 15th, 1955. Mm-hmm. This was, in fact, the ninth open McDonald's restaurant overall. Although this location was destroyed and rebuilt in 1984, Kroc later repurchased the McDonald's brothers' equity in the company and begun the company's worldwide reach. Kroc was recorded as being an aggressive business partner, <laughs> driving the McDonald's brothers out of, out of the industry. Oh, no. Yeah, no, he was... He basically... He basically stole McDonald's from right. these guys. Like, probably gave them a crappy price and then, like, ran them out of business. No, he he didn't even do that. Oh, no. No, he... So... Da, 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 da. So, basically, what... So, a lot of McDonald's' early success, before Ray Kroc, mm-hmm. was attributed to this thing called the Speedy System, which is definitely mentioned in the podcast in the, not the podcast, which is definitely mentioned in The Founder. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was this, it was this system that the brothers supposedly developed Mm -hmm. that, you know, you order your burger, it's there in 30 seconds. Right. You know, the idea of modern fast food. Because at the time, McDonald's was competing with drive-ins. Yeah. Which were, you know, they had cigarette machines and you had like hooligans and youths hanging out at them you know it greasers it it took 20 minutes and the waitress it took 20 minutes to get your food the waitresses weren't being like treated very well and so they just like didn't give a shit yeah there was trash everywhere but at mcdonald's it's like you walk up to the window you order you're gone yeah like that's now in the founder they they essentially credit the mcdonald's brothers as the inventors Mm -hmm. of this speedy system right but it's uh, there's a lot of conflicting sources on this. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of people say that um, they got the idea from White Castle, okay. who had been doing this for about ten years prior, but right. had not yet switched over to this like new fast food model, right. which was extra successful in San Bernardino because you know it's L.A. Yeah, everyone's everyone's in your car. Yeah, you can just and drive. People want things fast. Yeah, but it's like the idea of a drive-through, right? Yeah. Which is what made it so successful. Right. You don't even have to get out of your car. Alright. So, enter enter Ray Kroc. Mm-hmm. Who basically basically begged on his knees to, for, to have the McDonald's brothers let him be a franchise manager. Oh, He's okay. like, you, you have to franchise this. Right. Right. Begged them, yeah. which they had tried, but it hadn't gone. It hadn't gone very well. They they divested themselves of the of the other franchise opportunities. Right, so they're probably a little hesitant to try it again. Very hesitant. Okay. Ray Ray Kroc essentially had to bully the McDonald's brothers right. into every financial decision that they right. agreed to. <laughs> which I'm sure he did. Yeah, no, and was happy to do. It, 
Absolutely. <laughs> um, and so, but Ray Kroc is this... Ray Kroc is... I mean, <laughs> he's basically an aggressive sociopath. Yeah. <laughs> um, which made him an extremely effective branch manager. Exactly. He just right? does what he need, what needs to be done. Right. Well, he and doesn't he, care. Because part of the success of this speedy system was this... Um, like everyone had to be working together at all times. It mm-hmm. was you had to be extremely coordinated. Right. And so Ray Kroc was very good at whipping people into shape. Yeah. Right. So he so he takes over all these franchisees, mm-hmm. and they are like they're they're suddenly exploding in popularity. Yeah. Right. But he wants he wants more. He's not really content with just like expanding restaurant at a time. Mm-hmm. But basically, what he realized was the value, like, he really just needed profit, mm-hmm. right? And what he realized was the value in the fast food was not the price of the burgers, like, balancing cost versus operation. Yeah. He realized he could make a ton of profit by owning the land that every McDonald's was built on. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so he got into the real estate business. So he was charging the franchise owners, like, land fees? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, and this is eventually what he would use to essentially kick the McDonald's brothers right. out of business. Was <laughs> oh, man. Because he owned, he owned all of... He didn't own their restaurant or their, their intellectual property. He owned the ground. He, he literally owned the ground. Right. He owned the ground that all of their restaurants were built on. Right, that's crazy. It's... It is... Which is a really skeevy move. Right. Well, that's why um, houses in certain places like Laguna Beach are super expensive. Because not only do you have to pay for the property, you have to pay for the land. Right. So if you're renting a house or renting an apartment or, or whatever, you, you have to pay for the ground that the house is on, too. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. just the house. So it's like double the money. Well, and uh, you got to remember, at this time, we're talking... This is prime commercial real estate... In right. San Bernardino, California, right during the early 1960s, wow. which is like, I mean, you could not ask for better commercial real estate. Yeah. This is this is like seaside view right. next next to PCH, right? Like one of the busiest streets in the world. Yes, absolutely. Like at a time in history when cars were super cheap, and yeah. every American right. was buying a car. Exactly. Um, now, the this practice of owning the land that the McDonald that your restaurant is built on mm-hmm. has since become fairly common practice, right? Um, but what this they never really touch on this in the founder. Which, by the way, I this will be spoiling the entire plot of the founder. That's fine. Yeah, um, I might still watch it because I've been wanting to watch that. Right. Basically, what this allowed what this allowed Croc to do was. So at the time, if you owned a chain restaurant like this, uh-huh. and you wanted, you needed some quick cash, you you would basically take a regional franchise and just sell them to someone else. Right. Like, like all right, we need a couple million dollars really fast. Here, Church's Chicken, you now own all of our restaurants in this area. Right. So what what Croc did was, so. He still owned the land, mm-hmm. but he would franchise out the actual restaurant, okay. right? Which, which is an excellent way to in, get a nice cash injection. Yeah. But 
you've just lost all these profit-generating restaurants. Mm -hmm. Except Ray Kroc hasn't. He still owns the land that they're built off of. So what he does is he he franchises out like a he franchises out a chunk of the region, uh -huh. and then just uses the fact that he owns your land to bully you back off. That's evil. It's it's so evil, <laughs> but effective and it works. Extremely obviously. effective. Ex well, and he would never he would never franchise out all the restaurants in a region. Yeah. He would always make sure to keep a McDonald's so that people knew that it so that people knew that McDonald's was still there. Right. A huge part of this is the branding, right? Mm. Uh I'll, one thing that I run across in my research is people talking about like McDonald's is successful because they provide quality food. No, that is a crock of shit. Yeah. It's an, we've all been to McDonald's. The food yeah. is disgusting. Right. It's well it's it's manufactured food. Right. You you know exactly what you're getting. Right. Right. That's why it's successful. It's it's part of McDonald's success is the brand. It yeah. it's this idea of McDonald's. Something you can trust. It well it was fast food. Like what we think of as fast food yeah. was invented by McDonald's. Right. They own that. Right. Do -do -do -do. Yes, okay. Kroc understood that what made fast food wasn't the food, it was the brand. Which mm. brings us to the real thing that that brought McDonald's into the modern era. Like, mm -hmm. basically the thing that made it a megacorporation. <clears throat> the original mascot of McDonald's was a chef hat on top of a hamburger, who was referred to as Speedy in 1962. I remember Speedy. <laughs> you were alive in the good in old days. 1962? Yeah, I'd take my wife and kids out in the sedan, <laughs> smoke a couple cigs, and say hi to Speedy. <laughs> hey, you Speedy? Yeah. Want a cig? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In 1962, the Golden Arches were replaced Speedy as the universal mascot, who was... Like, almost immediately discarded and replaced three years later by Ronald McDonald. Wrangled McDangled. Wrangled McDangled. <laughs> America's favorite scary clown. Yep. Yeah. Basically, like, basically, like, the first, like, a lot of modern, a lot of modern ideas about clowns come from Ronald <laughs> McDonald. Yeah. Which, it's, like, this is obviously back in the 60s. In reading about this, it is almost impossible it is almost impossible for me to describe the importance like the effect that Ronald McDonald had on the advertising landscape of food right like and part of it was there really wasn't an advertising landscape for food yeah so you could go to like this sort of mom and pop like chicken stand or you could go to the place that had fucking slides and a clown. Yeah, like exactly. It was it was like here. Do you wanna do you wanna go to like Home Depot and drop a brick on your face, or yeah. do you wanna go to the circus? It was right. Well, yeah, because parents can let their kids play. Kids will have a great time. Everyone is happy. Everyone it, gets what they need. Absolutely. So. In 1965, the clown, Ronald McDonald, appeared in advertising to target their audience of children, which right. is which is very important because like uh, we'll get into a lot of this later. Yeah. But this I McDonald's comes under a lot of fire for attempting to market to children, which uh -huh. I mean, if you want to draw the line there, then no one should be marketed to. Yeah. Like it's 
exactly. if, if a thing is good and you need it, it you it doesn't need to be sold to you. Right. Right. Exactly. But what this what this did was now you have an entire generation of kids that mm-hmm. associate McDonald's with like childhood and happy feelings and right. like <laughs> innocence, that sort of thing. Well, I remember reading a survey that Ronald McDonald is a more recognized figure than Jesus around the world. I would not be surprised. Right. <laughs> Which, uh, speaking of the recognizability, so <laughs> on Wikipedia they have. They have the uh, the illustration of Ronald McDonald that was originally submitted to the patent office back oh, no. in 1965, and it's horrifying. Here, oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, podcasting is not a visual medium, but perhaps you will thank us for that because this is yeah. terrifying. Just look this up. If, it's scary. Just just go to the Wikipedia page yeah. for Ronald McDonald and scroll down because <laughs> it is it's scarier than Pennywise. Uh, it, he has no eyes. Yeah, that's a start. <laughs> He, uh, he has no eyes and a freakishly large mouth that takes <laughs> up about 70% of his face. And it's in right. it's in black and white like a police sketch. <laughs> <laughs> this guy just murdered four children. <laughs> like police are like shaking in their boots having to catch this guy. It, from the, the expression that is drawn on Ronald's face, it looks like he's about to unhinge his jaw and swallow <laughs> you like yeah. a python. Yeah. So, Which you don't want. <laughs> yeah, obviously. So, Ronald McDonald is a clown character used as the primary mascot of the McDonald's fast food restaurant chain. In television commercials, the clown inhabited a fantasy world called McDonald Land and has adventures with his friends, Mayor McCheese, the Hamburglar, Grimace, Birdie, the Early Bird, the Fry Kids. Since 2003, McDonald's Land has largely been phased out and Ronald is instead shown interacting with normal children in their everyday lives. I miss the Hamburglar. And well, Grimace. Again. <laughs> I remember Grimace. Yeah. Well, I remember I remember going to the McDonald's and by my house. Yeah, yeah. It's It had all of those characters were, like, still built into it. Because that McDonald's was one of the earliest ones, right. actually. It was, yeah. It was built back in the 60s. Yeah. Um, and so it had, like, Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Right. Like... It's like a museum McDonald's marketing. Yeah, no, you could sit on you could sit on swivel chairs shaped like Grimace's head. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Grimace. Oh man. Yeah, he's just I like forgot the about that little guy. Big purple thing. Yeah. Um. And again, this is one of those, like this whole cons, this whole thing, like with McDonald's Land, uh-huh. was just another iteration of that thing that caused an entire generation of children to associate Ronald McDonald with feelings of fun and innocence and childhood. Yeah. It was it was a whole cartoon series. Right. And they they had video games, bad ones, but video games. Exactly. Like it yeah. was they McDonald's McDonald's did not just market to children. They were they were the pioneers of marketing to children. Right. They were some of the best in the business at it. Yeah. Like, the idea of like mar- making toys specifically for children and then yeah. marketing them to children was a very new concept. Right. It can be argued that the that the success of Pokemon, who originally launched alongside the the animated series uh-huh. and the trading card game and all the little and all the little plastic toys, yeah. was inspired by McDonald's. Wow. So they're having global influence Glo- already. Global influence. Yeah. Enormous influence. So many people. Oh, and another thing that, if you are if you're our age or younger, mm-hmm. one thing you may not realize is that, um, like Ronald McDonald wasn't just a mascot. It was like, 
he was a clown. Like, it was a guy yeah. who, who hung out at McDonald's. He, like, right. lived at McDonald's. Right. And while you were eating, a clown would come up and play with your children. Yeah. Like, it was... You could go meet Ronald McDonald, right. and he could, like, pick you up and throw you and stuff. Yeah, they like, had the guy in the full, ma- like, Disneyland-level makeup. Yeah, incredibly like, at, good at makeup. At most McDonald's. And it was... Okay, many people worked full-time making appearances in the Ronald McDonald costume, visiting children in hospitals, attending regular events. At its full height, there may have been as many as 300 full-time clowns <laughs> at McDonald's. Full-time Ronald McDonald. That's yeah. That's crazy. It's... And from... From what I could tell, it was they took it super seriously. Right. You know how you know how much trouble you have to go through to be like a face character at Disneyland? Yeah. It was that level of rigor. Right. Because one of the things that you're doing is you are interacting with you are interacting with children who are dying of cancer exactly. as Ronald McDonald, as the chicken McNugget clown. Right. As like, a guy selling burgers. Right. Like your your job is to sell chicken to children dying of cancer. Yeah, <laughs> that's but, crazy. Which is kind of dystopian and horrific when you think yeah. about it. But all the the Ronald McDonald House charities and stuff. Yeah, is base. It's really just how McDonald's cloaks all of that. Exactly. It's like, we are doing all of this charity work to excuse the fact that we are selling your dying child chicken. But, like, most people don't care because they actually are raising a ton of money for charity. Right, right. But they're also making even more money for themselves. Right. So it's it's like, no one can really complain. Talk about good optics, right? Yeah, exactly. You can't get angry at them for raising billions for children's charities even if they're like their intentions are just i mean obviously to make more money for themselves right right because that's at the end of the day you have to you have to remember all a company wants to do is make money yeah everything they do is in service of that right they're not going to start a charity if they don't think it's going to help their bottom line so after 10 years of clowning came mcdonald land mcdonald land was a fantasy world used in marketing for the mcdonald's restaurants from 1971 until 2003 it was inhabited by Ronald McDonald and other characters that we've mentioned before. Yeah. In addition to being used in advertising, the characters were used as the basis for the equipment in the play places attached yes. to some McDonald's. The McDonaldland commercials, along with the characters, were discontinued in 2003 for a fantastic reason. Oh, no. Uh, but Ronald McDonald is still seen in commercials and in Happy Meal toys. Mm-hmm. Uh, one interesting thing about the play places, it was... Um, like, if you lived in a super dense city, that was, like, the closest thing you had to a park. Right. Like, like oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And so it was it was a very safe place for children. Yeah. Like, totally. It wasn't... Probably safer than a park. Extre- like, extremely safe. You were yeah. constantly being monitored by a clown. You're in a box. Right. <laughs> There's Which, no way you can get away. I mean, and that sounds, that sounds like a joke, but, like... McDonald's kind of marketed marketed themselves like that. Yeah, it's like we will sort of watch your children. Like you can you can read a book or something. Yeah, while you while your kid goes and plays in the little fun box. Right. I mean, you're there's one exit. It's not like the kid can escape through another way or get kidnapped. Someone yeah. tries to kidnap your child in a McDonald's. You'll see them go out the exit. Because <laughs> right. like it's hey, it's like hey, stop. Oh, he oh, caught me. Darn. Gotta put him back on the Next slide. <laughs> so, uh, and the McDonald Land, the McDonald Land characters were extremely successful. Obviously, yeah. So, how brilliant and original, right? 
Yeah. In 1973, Sid and Marty Croft sued McDonald's by claiming that the entire McDonaldland premise was copyright infringement oh, of their no. television show. The Crofts claimed that the character of Mayor McCheese was a direct ripoff of their character H.R. Puffinstuff, a oh. mayor himself. At, at a trial, a jury found in favor of the Crofts, and McDonald's was ordered to pay $50,000. Oh no. Which was later reassessed to more to the tune of $1 million, oh, which no. is $5.5 million today. Right. Because the, this, all these McDonaldland characters, uh-huh. like, they were obviously and blatantly stolen from the H.R. <laughs> Puffin stuff cartoon. No, like, no, no. It's, uh, he's, uh, Mayor McCheese. Mayor McCheese. It's like, different. They, like, I am, I am, inc- the only reason they were able to get away with it as long as they did uh. was because H.R. Puffin stuff was a fucking weird cartoon. Right. It's the, it was the same guys that did the, uh, the stop motion, uh, Christmas special. Oh, uh, Rankin Bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Oh, I hate those things. I, They're terrifying. I have a weird relationship with those, but yeah. that, we'll talk about that. Yeah, another, another episode. But <laughs> that's a problem. Well, and so, it, like, you know how weird those are. Yeah. Right. HR Puff and stuff. Same guys. Right. Well, and it, they incorporated live. A- they incorporated live action characters oh, with no. puppets. Oh like, no. The most horrifying thing yeah, that you can do. Right. And and so kids didn't really like H.R. Puff and stuff, no, but yeah. they loved McDonald's. Yeah. It's like, we don't care if you stole it. McDonald's did it better. Right. But all that said, like, McDonald's, like, did not do really anything to disguise yeah. the fact that they had stolen. Like, if you look at the characters side by side, it is, like, it's almost, it is almost comical yeah. how little work they put <laughs> in. It's almost... It's almost like they put in just enough work to make themselves feel better yeah. about it. It's like, like it's different enough. Yeah, it's different enough. I can be creative. <laughs> so, the year is 1983, and McDonald's has risen over 40 years to become this massive global brand. Uh-huh. Like it, it's worth. I mean, it's. Its worth is really only in its brand alone. Yeah. Because as we know, the hamburgers really aren't that good. Right. So, in the early 2000s, there was... People started to notice that it's like, holy shit, McDonald's is like more powerful than a lot of Western nations. Yeah. <laughs> but, and they're... They're in your face all the time. It's yeah. like all the constant marketing... McDonald's is very good at marketing and ubiquitous marketing. And so people started to notice. So in the early 2000s, the documentary Fast Food Nation and Super Size Me came out, both launching uh, dramatic attacks on the McDonald's brand. Yeah. Well, and it's it's not like people thought McDonald's was health food anyway. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Like people, it's like people. You go to McDonald's because you want a fuck. You want a fat, juicy, salty burger yeah. that clogs the hell out of your arteries. Right. And it didn't help that both of these documentaries were, like, huge crocs of shit. Yeah. Like, they were they were basically all lies. Right. Like, Fast Food Nation, it, it doesn't... Ex- it never explicitly lies, uh-huh. but it, it almost criminally over-exaggerates a lot of the claims that it makes. Right. Like, saying that... Saying that um, 
like fast food is killing Americans with E. coli, which it's not. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, actually, most E. coli deaths come from improperly prepared, like, meat that has been improperly prepared at home. Right. right? And McDonald's is not going to take a risk of improperly preparing their meat. Well, if, if, if and when people do, well, I mean, if, when people do get, like, seriously sick from fast food, uh-huh. it's because something went wrong. Right. Like, or they've just eaten too much. Like, well, that's what it comes down to. Right, right. But I if mean, you eat too much of any kind of burger, it's going to affect you. Right, right. But if it's specifically talking about, like, e- death by E. coli. Yeah. Like, it kills you. And on the topic of, like, preservatives, uh-huh. it's really no worse than any other sort than any yeah. other kind of food that you're going to find at your supermarket or yeah it's yeah the it's the same it's process ex- it's exactly the same it's exactly the same process yeah exactly the same preser- preservation techniques exactly the same shipping methods yeah uh, and then the third thing was like this whole idea of like pink slime and everything yeah like, like oh they they make it out of the the gross disgusting parts of the chicken it's like you ever had stew meat before yeah it's it's necks and it's necks and ribs and stuff it's like right. all the junk parts of the animal and you you stew the hell out of them until they're melty and delicious yeah <laughs> like that's that's where all the fat on the animal comes from yeah it's the same stuff they just have an industrial processor that can grind it into, like, pink sand-looking yeah. stuff. When you see it, it looks gross. Yeah. But it's just at a bigger scale. Which, honestly, I, I, I wanted to look up, like, videos of pink slime. Uh-huh. You know what it looks like? What? It looks exactly like Tubby Custard from the Teletubbies. <laughs> like, yeah. that's a, it's a meat fountain. Yeah. That's what they were eating, those Teletubbies. Raw meat. Well, and... <laughs> yeah, Teletubbies are actually devoted carnivores. Yeah. <laughs> They're predators. That's how they get their strength. Yeah. Um, and through all of this, right, Yeah. I, it, I had to develop what I call the egg test, <laughs> which is, would eating this be more disgusting than eating an egg? <laughs> because when you think about it, an egg is an unfertilized chicken fetus. Yeah. Like... You, I am eating an entire unfertilized chicken fetus. Yeah. I don't really care if you take the junk parts of the meat and you grind it up all nice and then you put it in a chicken mold. Right. Like, it's The egg is still more disgusting. Right. In concept. Yeah. Is it going to make you sick? No. Like if it, no, it won't. If you look at most foods, how, how they're made, they'll seem disgusting to you. No. It's like, honest, like, by the statistics, you have a greater chance of... You actually have a greater chance of getting sick and possibly dying from eating cabbage. Right. Yeah, there's that recent, like, romaine lettuce E. coli thing. Mm-hmm. And on the, the, other, the other documentary was uh, Super Size Me, uh-huh. which also complete crock of shit. Yeah. Because before, what, they, what they cleverly left out uh-huh. was the fact that the, the centerpiece of the documentary was... Before the documentary, he was a vegan. He was yeah. he was an obsessive exerciser. Right. And so, yes, he stopped eating vegan to eat McDonald's, which, of course, that's going to have a negative effect on you. Right. If you've been vegan for 10 years and then you suddenly eat meat, of course you're going to throw up. Yeah. And he stopped exercising. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's and like, I also remember he had, like, weird rules for himself. Like, he had to get the supersize option and he had to finish all the food. Yes, yes. Which is... Like, overeating is 
plainly not recommended. Like, yeah. just don't do that. No one should do that. Exactly. If you eat too much of anything, it's going to make you sick. Right. Well, and too much means different things for different people. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, like, Olympic athletes, uh -huh. like, you ever seen what, like, Michael Phelps eats when he's carbo-loading for... No, like, but I'm Olympic? sure it's insane. It, it's literally, like, four, like 40 hamburgers. Right. And... And it has no effect on him. Well, because his body is just consuming that many calories. Yeah. He's, like... His body is incredible. His body is incredibly efficient. It burns through enormous amounts of energy. Yeah, and he because he spends every waking moment being an Olympic athlete. Yeah, like swimming. Yeah, pushing his body to the limit. Exactly. And so this brings up the question: Like I thought, all the McDonald's power was in the brand. That's exactly what they want you to think. Oh no, I've been duped. But we'll come back to that. Okay. <laughs> So, in 2002, McDonald's announced its first ever quarterly loss of, 300, of $344 million, mm -hmm. which is pretty, like, yeah. pretty big. That's pretty big. It's a big loss. Was it the result of some huge financial mistake? No, actually. It was more the result of over-optimistic earnings forecasts from current CEO uh, Jim Cantal Cantalupo. <laughs> Jim Cantalupo. Yeah. It was, so, it was more the result of very over-optimistic earnings forecasts by then-CEO Jim Cantalupo, who died of a heart attack two years later, <laughs> divulging power to Sir Charlie Bell, who died of colon cancer two months later. Oh, no. He was then succeeded by Don Thompson, who is actually a pretty cool guy. He grew up in the Chicago projects, left the company in 2015 to join a vegan meat alternative company. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So, you've got the this enormous quarterly loss. So how does Mickey D's respond? The company began divesting itself of other chains that it had, that it had acquired in the 1990s. Mm. And this goes back to the definition of a mega corporation. Right. The company owned a majority stake in Chipotle Mexican Grill oh. up until October of 2006 when McDonald's fully divested from Chipotle through the stock exchange. Mm -hmm. Until December of 2003, it also owned uh, Donato's Pizza it owned a small share of Aroma Cafe from 1999 to 2001. On August 27th, 2007, McDonald's sold Boston Market to Sun Capital Partners. Wow, I didn't realize it owned all those things. Yeah. Well, and they own, a like, if I were to list all of the things that McDonald's still owns, uh -huh. would, the episode would be way too long. Right. <laughs> all right. So, uh, this is from an article by Tiffany Sue uh, from the Los Angeles Chimes. Los Angeles Times. McDonald's chief executive Don Thompson blamed the poor figures on the pervasive challenges of today's global marketplace, but analysts said that McDonald's may just be getting too comfortable in its perch as the world's largest restaurant chain. Yeah, which it's is probably true. Pretty easy to overestimate your earnings yeah. when it's like, the sky is the limit. Yeah. <laughs> Thompson cautioned analysts that the declining consumer sentiment, high commodity and labor costs, and heightened competitive activity had created an uncertain and fragile environment that he called the new normal. Mm. Now, remember this. The high commodity and labor costs, the heightened competitive activity, and an uncertain and fragile environment, all of that is complete bullshit. <laughs> it's utter bullshit. Yeah. He just wanted to give a some sort of reason. Let's go back. Okay. But that's exactly what they want you to think. Yes. So what really is the McDonald's brand? Like, 
at this point, as a global corporation, how are they actually making all this money selling terrible burgers? I don't know. McDonald's has become emblematic of globalization, sometimes referred to as the McDonaldization of, so of society oh, no. by people who do not interact with me ever. Yeah. The Economist newspaper uses the Big Mac index. The comparison of a Big Mac's cost in various world currencies can be used to informally judge these currencies' purchasing power. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, a, it's actually a very logical thing to do. Right. Like you, there are Big Macs in many countries. Right. And so... Most countries, probably. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. Da, 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 da. Uh, uh, fun fact, Switzerland has the most expensive Big Mac as of July of 2015, while the country with the least expensive Big Mac is India. Hmm. Um, and to, to, get a little, to get a little Pulp Fiction for, a, for the moment, <laughs> you want to know what the Big Mac is called in India? What's it called? The Maharaja Mac. <laughs> the Maharaja Mac. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next cheapest Big Mac is in Hong Kong, surprisingly mm. enough. And this is fun. A group of anthropologists in a study entitled Golden Arches East looked at the impact of McDonald's had on East Asia and Hong Kong in particular. When it opened in Hong Kong in 1975, McDonald's was the first restaurant to consistently offer clean restrooms. Mm. Driving customers, driving customers to demand the same of other restaurants and institutions. Right. If you go to McDonald's, it's always spotless. Spotless. It's like a mental institution level spotless. Like yeah. The floors shine. You can get some chicken. Yeah. McDonald's has taken to partnering with Sinopec, the second largest oil company in the People's Republic of China. <laughs> nice. It takes advantage of the company's growing use of personal vehicles by opening numerous drive-through restaurants. McDonald's has opened a McDonald's restaurant and McCafe on the underground premises of the French Fine Arts Museum, the Louvre. <laughs> yeah, there's a McDonald's in the basement of the Louvre. Of course there is. But brand does not profit make. How does McDonald's make so much goddamn money? That's what I've been waiting to find out. <clears throat> a zero-hour contract is a type of contract between an employer and a worker where the employer is not obliged to provide any minimum working hours while the worker is not obliged to accept any work offered hmm. and can be fired at a moment's notice. Right. On August 5th, 2013, The Guardian revealed that 90% of McDonald's UK workforce are on zero-hour contracts, making it possibly the largest such private sector employer in the entire country. Right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make any personal comments throughout this entire section, and I will let you draw your own conclusions. Okay. A study released by Fast Food Forward, conducted by Analyzone, List Grove Research, showed that approximately 84% of all fast food employees working in New York City in April 2013 had been paid less than their legal wages by their employers. Oh, no. From 2007 to 2011, fast food workers in the U.S. drew an average of $7 billion of public assistance, <sighs> annually resulting from receiving... Uh, subpar low wages. Yeah. The McResource website, this is great. <laughs> the McResource website advertised, imp advised employees to break their food into smaller pieces to feel fuller, seek <laughs> to seek refunds for unopened holiday purchases, sell possessions online for quick cash, and to quit complaining as stress hormone levels rise by 15% after 10 minutes of complaining. This is in response to the majority of entry-level McDonald's employee workers 
living well under the poverty line. Yeah, and that's straight up Orwellian dystopian shit right there. Yeah. Break your food into smaller pieces to feel fuller. It, that is crazy. It gets worse. Oh, no. It gets way worse. In December of 2013, McDonald's shut down the McResource website amidst negative publicity yeah. and criticism. Yeah. McDonald's plans to continue an internal telephone helpline through which its employees can obtain advice on work and life problems. Just don't eat. Right. But, like, please teach me how to not be poor, company <laughs> that is responsible for my paycheck. Oh, it's simple. Just, just break your chicken nuggets in half and eat them slower. In late 2015, anonymous aggregated, da aggregated data collected by Glassdoor suggests that McDonald's in the United States pays entry-level employees between $7.25 an hour and $11 an hour, with an average of $8.70 an hour. So that's the average employee. Mm -hmm. Shift managers paid an average of $10.34. Assistant managers get paid an average of $11.57. With bonuses, McDonald's CEO, Steve Steve Easterbrook currently earns an annual salary of $21 million. <laughs> yeah. And to, to cap all this off, <clears throat> McRefugees are poor people in Hong Kong, Japan, and China who use McDonald's 24-hour restaurants as a temporary hostel. One in five of Hong Kong's population lives below the poverty line. <laughs> so, these are essentially people who are who would be homeless uh -huh. And essentially, use the fact that McDonald's is open 24 hours a day uh -huh. to essentially live in McDonald's. Right. They are referred wow. to as McRefugees. McRefugees. <laughs> McDonald's owns refugees. I, I just, like, just, just to remind you there, um, seven billion dollars of unpaid wages. Like, right. Seven billion dollars worth of wage theft. Yeah. That's how McDonald's is this profitable. Right. They are stealing from their employees like nobody's business. Right. It is... It is... If they were a nation, it would be the definition of a kleptocracy. <laughs> they are stealing so much goddamn money. Yeah. Because I would imagine one of the most expensive things in a franchise is your labor. It's like... Absolutely. Let's just pay half of what other restaurants pay. It, not even half. Like, yeah. It doesn't even get close to half. Right. And like, they just keep all that extra money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what they're doing is they have yeah. they have the the kiosks where you can just order you order your food there. Oh, really? They're trying to they're trying to automate their entire restaurant. Right. Right. Which so, they can probably do very easily. Right. Right. Which is, I mean, a fantastic way to not have to pay labor costs. Yeah. It's like that episode of Jimmy Neutron, the where he. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The McSpankies, McSpankies episode. Big McSpankies from McSpankies. He just, like, builds a machine that, like, scans your tongue and gives you exactly what your taste buds want. Mm -hmm. And there's no... But, like, the store has a mind of its own and then, like, goes rogue and tries to, like, blow up the sun. <laughs> or, no, it tries to... I don't even remember. goes crazy. There were many things in Jimmy Neutron that tried to blow up the sun yeah. or something. <laughs> I just remember the restaurant hurtling towards the sun and that's how that episode <laughs> ended. Right, yeah. There was, like, a scene where it was shooting towards the sun sun and like everything was melting inside yeah i think no i think that's how they defeated the restaurant i don't even know they somehow no like, no 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 what they what they did was they modified someone's taste buds to say that like their ideal burger oh, was yeah. served at like 27 degrees 27,000 degrees yeah and so the only place they could get that temperature <laughs> was the surface of the sun man it's like 
writers of that show were injecting themselves with so many science <laughs> You're yeah like injecting pure science a cocktail of science and crack <laughs> ah! oh. and then they programmed someone's taste buds so that they went for brain blast <laughs> running in circles inside the writer's room throwing oh. water balloons oh, like, full of ketchup. <laughs> no, and just to just to go over a lot of like I I did a ton of research on this and yeah. this what I read to you went through a lot of changes. Yeah. Because basically I I started with like the the product history of McDonald's, like what were their marketing techniques? How did the products change over time like why did they start offering salads? Because originally, all they sold was burgers, fries, sodas, milkshakes. Right, like that, In-N-Out does today. Yeah, exactly like how In-N-Out does today. Except yeah. In-N-Out also serves coffee, but nobody knows that. Yeah. Um, and now so now there's a now there's this huge menu, right? So yeah. what what prompted each individual addition to the menu, and you know why did they add salads? Do people like salads? Are they profitable? Like yeah. each, there has to be a reason behind all of this. And what I what I eventually realized, like, was if you looked at the the decisions that McDonald's made as a as a company, yeah, the modifications that they made to individual McDonald's restaurants uh-huh. did not add up with the profit differentials. Huh. It was like there's there's no way that this had that much of an effect. Yeah, and then and so I originally wanted this to be about like how you know how a corporation like this does branding yeah i what i eventually realized was all the food is completely immaterial to the rampant wage theft yeah exactly (laughs) yeah they are it's i i i would not be surprised to i would not be surprised at all to learn that mcdonald's is not profitable without the fact that it is essentially essentially using its global its position in global society to sap public assistance yeah. money out of out of world yeah. governments doesn't much matter what you sell at your restaurant if you don't have to pay labor costs right right and like just remember it's it's McDonald's largest quarterly loss ever was 334 million dollars yeah it was like a single year's instance of wage theft was seven billion dollars. Right. Wow. So, so there you go. Well, that I'll is the <laughs> keep that in mind next time I get an eight piece chicken McNugget with with barbecue sauce. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. That's that's episode two of there. Desperate Acts of Capitalism. <laughs> that's that was a crazy episode. <laughs> Even more insanity. <laughs> gone over in this episode all right we will see you all again soon yeah thank you for listening thank you very much we love you we love you oh